Good morning. You know, I have to do something, and I was told not to do it. <laughs> Miss Timmons. Stand up and come on out here, honey. I, I was invited to a party for this lady last night who turned 70 years old. Does she look good or what? I had the opportunity to dance with her. She puts the T in Tina Turner. Oh my. There are moves that this woman has that I hope and pray when I get her age, and I'm not that far behind it. So I want you to look at her, and I want you to see we all can have youth if we just ask God for it. Give this lady a great hand of applause because she truly has been an inspiration in my life and instrumental in me being here on those days that I wanted to be somewhere else. I love you greatly. You know, there's very few people in your life that you can look back and say had a big impact on your life. She's had a big impact on my life. You know, at every given point in my life, the Lord has been very, very gracious of placing a black lady. And there was a time period in my life when things were rough and transitioning and all this, and I looked at her one day and I said, you know, I am out of here. I am sick of this. And I was just raving, and she put her hand on my arm, and she said, okay, that's fine, but let me ask you one thing. And I said, what? And she said, is that what Jesus is saying? I said, no, ma'am. She said, then you need to hush and get back in your place. Oh, really, though, she didn't say hush. She told me to shut up. When you have a relationship with someone like that, you can honestly say that they have your best interest at heart. Because I can honestly say, at that particular day, if I had made the wrong decision, I wouldn't be standing here today. Now, the, a few weeks ago, Chuck was teaching, and he was teaching all these laws of this and laws of that and laws of this. And as he was teaching... The Lord spoke to me and said, what about the law of friction? And I said, well, I didn't know friction was a law. And you hear God kind of chuckle and said, what about the law of friction? And I said, well, I know that I think I know what friction is. He said, well, you really need to dig in and find out what friction is because if anyone is a representative of friction, it is you. <laughs> and I thought, really? And then for the last four days, yeah, I can honestly say it's the truth. One of the first things that I found when I looked up friction because, you know, you always want to get that right definition. 
Well, the first thing, I asked this lady at work, I said, if I said, what is the definition of friction, what would, she, what would you say? And she and I have worked together for 38 years. And she said, well, after I looked at the picture of you, I would say one that rubs the other the wrong way. I said, really? She said, Keith, for 38 years. And I said, well, what about all those times that you rubbed me the wrong way? And she said, I never rub you the wrong way. I rub you the right way because it's been to your benefit because you've become very successful. And I thought, well, there's a lot of truth in that. I wish I'd have said it about myself, though. Here's what I want y'all to get today. Without friction, you have no movement. Without friction, you have no momentum. And without friction, you grow very familiar. And so, as I get ready to get started, I want you to ask yourself, do you welcome friction? Do you resist friction? Is friction a part of your life? Because it is a part of your daily, daily routine. You just don't realize how important friction is to you. And friction has a lasting effect on you when you get up and even walk. So it's very basic. It's very simple. But it's a very big part of who you are. In everyday living life, you partake in friction. Now, the question is, we're going to find out today before we leave here how friction affects you and how you embrace friction. Friction is a force that is created when two surfaces move or try to move across each other. How many times have you got up and just walked on the floor? That's friction. But what if you're walking on ice? That's totally different. You see, you've got to see what friction is, and you've got to see how it impacts your life. The amount of friction produced during this process depends on the texture of both the surfaces and the amount of contact force pushing the two surfaces together. When I walk, I walk very heavy. When I move, I move very heavy. I don't do anything light and airy. Now, you can pretty well say that I am a bull in a china closet in regards to everything that I do. And I don't have any problems telling you that. I am rough. I am abrasive. I'm like a SOS pad for Jesus. <laughs> I will rub you and scrub you the wrong way. 
No, you see? Now, friction always opposes the motion or attempted motion of one surface across another surface. As the two surfaces slide against each other, their contact is anything but smooth. If you've come in contact with me, I really can't say it's smooth. Yesterday I was at this, I was getting me something to eat. And I was at, and I had a big revelation about me. And I asked Lee Forrest about it this morning. So I was standing at this place and I'm getting something to eat, and these two people come in behind me and they looked at me and they said, uh, You're Mr. Pierce's brother, aren't you? And I said, Yes. And they said, Y'all look just alike. I said, really? They said, oh, yes. If you were in a crowd of hundreds of people, I could tell that you are brothers because y'all look just alike. I said, really? And I was kind of dumbfounded. I don't look like Santa Claus. I've never looked like Santa Claus. And if you liken me to set, now I will say one thing. There is a picture floating around, and I think Stacy Forrest has it. Of one time, we had to dress up, and I dressed up like Chuck. And it was scary how much I looked like Chuck. I have one picture of Chuck and I when we were in school, when he was at A&M and I was in high school, and he got real skinny because all he and Pam had money to do was eat squash. And his hair turned brown. And we, Mama bought us matching shirts. <laughs> to go to an A&M football game. We looked alike that day. But I normally don't really get that. And he, this lady looked at me and she said, oh my gosh, it just must be wonderful having Chuck as a brother. And I said, oh, it really is. I said, you couldn't ask for a nicer brother he is loving, he is kind, he is generous. She said, oh, I know, every time I see him, he gives me money. I said, every time I see him, he gives me money. She said, you are lucky. And she said, it, you seem very sweet too. I bet it's lovely for him, for you being his brother as well. She said, is it? And for all y'all religious people, close your ears a minute. I said, well, hell no. <laughs> and she said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, like for instance, Chuck would look at you right here and say, oh, y'all both, I've got you a $100 bill. God bless you. It's Valentine's Day. Y'all are dressed in your red checkered shirts. And, she, and she's just smiling. And she said, what would you say? I said, I'd look at you and say, did you lay out all night? Why didn't you wash your hair before you come to work this morning? And she looked at me and she said, you are a different brother. I said, yes, ma'am. I've never had a filter on my mouth. I'm not going to start putting a filter on my mouth. And I'm going to allow my mouth to speak truth in love. And she looked at me, and this is what she said. I think I have about 45 minutes. I think I'll go home. I think I'll wash my hair before I go to work. 
Sometimes you got to have people in your life that will look at you, speak the truth to you, let you know where you're doing to help you get to the next level. And I want to tell you something. You want to get to the next level, you're going to have to have friction to do it. Because friction will stir you up and unsettle you from the familiar nest that you place your little bottom into. I get all this from Miss Timmons. But the point that... You know, you know, here's the thing. I can say it with joy up here in the front, but when I get off this stage and walk out that door, I have this feeling that the woman's going to meet me out there with the baseball bat. <laughs> and she goes, your mama may be dead, but I'm not, and I can still whoop your butt. <laughs> Do y'all realize that there is a statue built in her city of her because she was such an incredible basketball player? <laughs> Look at her shaking her head at me. Ooh, but at least she's smiling. Here's the, the f- friction, <laughs> the force of friction acts in the opposite direction to the way an object wants to go. So many times in our life, we get up, we know the plans and the purposes and the future and the hope that God has in store for us. We know he doesn't want to harm us. We know he wants to prosper us. But we so settle in our thinking that a lightning bolt's going to come down and zap us and slap us into this incredible fantasy world where everything's going to be fulfilled. It doesn't and it never will happen that way. God requires us to have faith to keep moving and those that shrink back he has no pleasure in and when you sit down and grow familiar he cannot reach and release his pleasurable hand and plans for you he's going to have to bring friction when this church was getting ready and Robert and Linda started started out in a little prayer group right down from where I live And they just prayed and prayed and prayed. And then the Spirit of God baptized them both, speaking in tongues. And they were just so excited that Holy Spirit was going to send someone. They didn't realize he was going to send me. (laughs) Linda didn't like me. And Linda and I have worked out our difference. She thought I was abrasive. She thought I was loud. She thought I was rude. She thought I was obnoxious. The trouble is she was right. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. She might, I might have driven her crazy, but one time this lady approached her with a derogatory statement about my... (laughs) my use 
of the English grammar. <laughs> Linda eat her up, sliced and diced her, spit her out, and I've never had to deal with the lady again. You've got to learn your opposing force isn't, natural, isn't necessarily opposing to what God has in store for you. You see, so many times we do not want our feathers ruffled. We do not want somebody to oppose us because we know without a shadow of doubt we're 110% right. We're right in our worship. We're right in our praise. We're right in our teaching. But are we God? See, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about is it God? Is it God where I'm at? And is it God that I am moving... Because if you're not moving, you must ask yourself why. Your faith should be increasing. Your love should be increasing. You should be increasing daily in him. And if it's not, then you are increasing. And he wants you to decrease that he can increase. So he's got to send friction to get the rough edges off. You see, so many times, now I want to tell you something. God sends people in my life. You think I'm rough? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a time period in my life, and I don't mind saying this, and she's in the arbor and she can hear me. Leanne was 10 times more abrasive, 10 times more hateful, 10 times more rough. Ten times more, she would come at me every day with a chisel and a hammer and took it her personal interest to get all of the rough edges off me at that level of my life. Y'all look at her and y'all see one person. I look at her and see another. And I go, but Leanne, and she go, no, 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 no. You're just not listening. You're not reading your Bible. You're not praying. You should be in the scriptures. You should be listening to this. You're never going to get there unless you do this. And I go, is it that important? She said, to God it is, because you have a call over your life. She said, you have put yourself in a little box of fear. And that's where you want to live the rest of your life. And I'm not going to allow it. I don't know if I was more scared of the fear or Leanne. I've known her for 44 years now. Think of that. I knew her when she played racquetball with men. You see? So when it came to go into war, when God put me in that lady's heart and gave her a vision for me, it was hell, 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 more hell, a little bit more hell, until that strong will of mine submitted and realize that the God the Father loved me enough to send his son 
who loved me enough to give his life and Holy Spirit loved me enough to stay on this earth with me. You see, this is what I want to show you about friction. If you don't have friction and take a glass and set it in a cabinet and don't ever drink out of it, then you come back weeks later. Molecules between the glass and the wood of opposing force grow, causing those two things to lock together, never being able to move. That is a familiar spirit, people. And a familiar spirit will convince you to stay right here and not move and everything will be fine. Leanne looked at me one day and this is what she said. She said, I've known you for years. If you don't get up now, this is going to be your destiny for the rest of your life and you can't live in the guilt and condemnation of it because the hand of God will not be on you in it. Let me tell you something. If that won't get you delivered, and she said, but I'm with you. Listen to me. I'm going to tell y'all three stories about people that have been with me. You can't get to the next place. Joshua didn't go without Caleb. The disciples went two by two. Each animal had his help made when he got on the ark. God will always put someone with you to assist you and support his vision for you if you will just look up and receive the friction. Because it's going to take friction to unnest you, to get you into your place of momentum. See, do I love Chuck? Yes, I do. And is Chuck and I close? Yes, I do. And do I bring joy to Chuck? Yes, I do. Because <laughs> <clears throat> this is a side note, I wasn't going to tell this story. So, Friday morning, I inherited two dogs because from Lee's mother, and I love these dogs. One is a West Highland, and the other one's a cross between a poodle and a Maltese. I love them, they live with me. I've never had house dogs, they've lived with me since July. They love me, I love them. We're thick. The last thing I do on bad weather, I have to leave them in the house instead of putting them in the yard. So I'd let them out. And there, there's a couple here who loves me dearly too who had given me this very wonderful Christmas gift that I had never used. So I decided since it was Valentine's Day and I don't get cards or roses or anything like that. Yeah. Oh, well, not, yeah, yeah, look at that. And so, I would drink out of their cup that they bought me. So, I got coffee, and I was just having a good day, and it was pretty weather. And I'm standing in my garage, and the two dogs are having their last potty time before I go to work. And all of a sudden, I hear something. Somebody talking. 
And I think, who is that? And I hear somebody say, hurry, they will make a good Valentine present. Who will? So I step out of my garage, and I've got my coffee cup, and here's this car, and it's parked on the side of the road. The woman's driving, the man's out trying to get my two dogs. But I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I thought he was just trying to get them because he thought they were strays and he was going to look at their tag and see who they belonged to. I said, they're my dogs. They didn't seem to bother him. I thought, well, maybe he didn't hear me. I said, those are my dogs. And I hear her say, grab them, hurry, he's coming. So, I kind of scurried. I was dressed for work. I wasn't expecting to tussle. I had on the only shirt that represents Valentine's Day in my closet. (laughs) So, I said, I said, those are my dogs. He's grabbing. I'm going, buddy, Max, get in the house. Buddy runs to the house because he's very obedient. Max is older, and he kind of cowered down. And I realized this man's fixing to grab my dog, and I'm fixing to have to tackle the man. And I'm going to get my clothes dirty. Something about getting your clothes dirty when you're dressed for work is not the same as getting your clothes dirty when work is over. It's just not. I can't tell you what it is. And so I had this coffee cup. That says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. I threw the coffee and that did not bother him. Well, I played baseball and softball for years. So I threw the coffee like this, thinking it would get his attention. And he reached for that dog, and I brought that arm back and hurled, I love Jesus. (laughs) As I was cussing at him. The cup hit him. It got his attention. I got my dog, and they left. I thought, what did just happen to me? Now, back to what I, was, why I told you all this story. I called Chuck, and I said, you'll never guess what happens to me. Chuck said, something always happens to you. <laughs> Chuck said, I'm not feeling that well. I need to go. I said, wait a minute. I need to tell you something. I need to tell you what just happened to me. He said, Keith, can it wait? I said, no, it can't wait. I'm upset. He said, you don't seem upset. I said, I am very upset. He said, okay, okay, calm down, tell me. So I told Chuck, well, Chuck starts laughing uncontrollably. He said, he said, why does things always happen to you? He said, I don't understand that. I heard the Lord say, because you're friction. 
No, you see, I called Penny Kay. I told Penny Kay. Penny Kay said, what, what, what? I said, yes. I said, now I've got to go to work. I've got a 745 appointment. I'm behind time. Da, 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 da. Call Lee. Told Lee and Stacy. The point that I'm making is I realized something when I was driving to work, and this is the other part of friction. The Lord spoke to me a verse that says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I wouldn't be where I'm at in my life if the people that God put me around did not sharpen me. I wouldn't be, yeah, you can thank God for the people in your life that sharpens you. Now, the thing about sharpening, it takes two, two to sharpen. See, we forget friction, it takes two objects. And normally they're two opposing objects. Like you can take two sticks and rub them together and you can get fire. Friction causes fire. You see, friction allows you to get up and push off to begin to walk, run, and hurry. Friction causes momentum. But what we don't realize is friction is a very, very part of his kingdom process. And when the Lord showed me this verse, one iron blade was used to sharpen another blade until both became more effective tools. The visual aid of a common implement of work or war provides a practical model model for many human relationships. Chuck said it. Chuck calls me when Chuck goes to war. War doesn't bother me. Matter of fact, I kind of like it. I kind of eat off of it. I love to see the enemy overthrown in people's lives. I love to see the enemy cast down in people's lives. I love to see the enemy lose his territory. So did it, did it surprise anybody that I threw a cup at a man who was trying to steal my dogs? The lady at work, my office manager, she looked at me, she said, you just threw the cup? I said, well, yeah. She said, because she's always telling me, I never know when to keep my mouth shut. And the trouble is, she's 100% right. I will not be quiet for Zion's sake. I don't care if I'm at church. I don't care if I'm at the mall. I don't care if I'm at work. I don't care if I'm in my yard. If an injustice steps into my territory, I'm going to face it off with a justice because I am friction. You see? So when you start looking, perfect love casts out all fear. You see, perfect love is a friction to fear. 
And if you want to get rid of your fear, let his love start drilling a hole into that little room in your life that you've built that you feel so secure in. Because perfect love is going to be such a friction to unnest every ounce of fear inside of you until you rise up from the enemy's camp and shift into God's kingdom. Trust me, I am the poster child for it. The next story I'm going to tell you is all my life, people said, Keith, why won't you fly? Are you scared? I said, I'm not scared. They said, why don't you fly? I said, God didn't tell me to fly. <laughs> they said, are you afraid of dying? Me? No. Well, what is it? I think you're scared. I said, I'm not scared. God didn't tell me to fly yet. This has gone on all my life. One of the things, if you want to know my fear, it's not about being inside of a plane. It's about sitting by some strange person at an airport because I can't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> you can ask Lee. When we go, when he and Stacy take me to a movie, they put me on the aisle. Put Stacy next to me. Put Lee next to Stacy to Patton. And buffer whoever's sitting next to Lee. I was at a theater one time, and there was this man sitting next to me, and I looked over, and he was drinking my Coke. I said, That's my Coke. He said, I know, I'm sorry, I was thirsty. Okay? I don't like that. I don't like anything about that. Airports are not made for Keith Pierce. Now, airplanes, that's a different story. Well, one thing that I want to show y'all before I finish, finish telling you this story, the concept of iron sharpening iron obviously implies at least two pieces of iron. So we got two pieces of iron. It would be impossible for one tool to become sharper without the presence of the other. You see, it takes that contrary object. Left alone, both blades would be dull and quite useless. God expects us to live and serve in a community of other believers... He desires for us to build loving and growing relationships with others. But here's what I want you to see. We know this concept to be true. It is much better to accept godly advice or even constructive criticism from someone we know, someone we love, and someone we know that cares about us than it is from a stranger or a simple acquaintance because Friends may indeed wound us, wound us at times, but we can understand and appreciate their genuine motives towards us. Here's what I want you to see. When you are being 
controversy. When you are speaking into a friend, when you are helping that person find them their way, your life should be changing. And if it's not changing, then you're controlling. If it's not changing, then your motives are wrong. Because when iron sharpens iron, it takes two objects to create movement. It takes two objects to create sharpening. And one just doesn't get sharpened. You see? If you're not being sharpened, you better ask God what your motives are. You have a self-agenda. You have a self-recognition. They are not your project. You have a self-ambition. You have a self-righteousness. And if you're not changing, you better ask yourself why. Because that is a one-sided relationship where you are dominating them to control them, to bring them into an identity that looks like you instead of look like Christ. Because I tell you what, while they're changing, you should be changing, growing into his image as well. That ought to get an amen. So for years... People have said, why won't you fly? I want you to fly. Will you fly with me? Nope. God ain't telling me to. I think you're just saying that. Nope. God ain't telling me to. Well, and y'all have heard me tell it. First of all, before I tell this, I want to tell one thing. I asked Lee, this mor- Lee Forrest this morning, I said, is it hard being my friend? I didn't ask Stacy. <laughs> Stacy and I really are like two old swords. We'll get out in the backyard and we would just clash and act like complete idiots with each other. And then we'll go and eat. <laughs> we'll go out to eat and eat at BJ's or whatever and just everything's fine. But you look at Lee and Stacy and all of a sudden I realize, God. You know, I think it's hard being my friend. The jealousies that they encounter, the envies that they encounter, everybody thinks that it is just a bed of roses to be my friend. But Lee and Stacy knows my thorns. You see? They know my idiosyncrasies. They know that I will hit somebody with a coffee cup. They know I'll run down the street. They know that if we're at a restaurant and somebody says something, if I need to bark back, I will bark, and I will bark very loudly. So I looked over the last basically almost 30 years of everything that I have put them through, and I asked Lee, I said, is it hard being my friend? Lee went like this, "Mm mm-hmm. I said, huh? He said, "Mm mm-hmm. Now, I want you to see something. Is it hard being my brother, Penny Kay? Yeah. Is it hard being 
uh, my son, Lee? Look at Lee smiling. He ain't going to answer. The reason is, God puts people in your life, and Lee Ramsey, God gave me as a son 20 years ago. And oh, he didn't have the type of father that God wanted him to have. So God gave him to me. I have wrote him. I have hollered at him. I have called him in times that he does not want to be called. I have prompted him. I have edified him. I have exhorted him. And there's two or three times that I actually could beat the hell out of him. He's done everything I've asked. And he was submissive, submissive, submissive. And all of a sudden, about five years ago, I realized that because of his submission, it was changing something in me. And you kind of think, I don't know if I want to hit this next blade together. Something's happening in me. And I couldn't determine what it was, but I knew something was happening in me. And it kept each, with each step over the next five years, something was being peeled off of me. Well, I turned 63 in October, and Lee said, I would like to take you to Vegas for your birthday. I said, okay. I said, how are we getting there? <laughs> he said, we'll take the company plane. And I broke out in such a panic. No, no, I was gasping for air. Because what you need to realize, he's asked me for the last five years, and I've said no. But all of a sudden, this is what I gasped for air is. When he asked me to go for my birthday, Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you don't have any other choice. Now is your time. I said, oh, dear Jesus. I've had a stroke. I've had AFib. I smoke. What in the world is this going to be like on an airplane cabin with me in it if something doesn't go right? So, Chuck was going to be out there with uh, John Mark. This was for golf instead of bowling. They were going to be out there. So I said, okay, we'll go. They, Chuck and Lee worked out for us to go December the 5th instead of October the 5th. So I had two full months to die. <laughs> so... Chuck said, I know it's going to be easier on you if Lee and Stacy goes with you. He said, I will get them a room. I will get them a ticket to the place of their choice to play or program. Because it'll be easier on you. Stacy told me I had to tell y'all that she was our, they were my service animals. They are not. So, Chuck called me, and Chuck said, Keith, when you had that stroke, did it kill a part of your brain? I said, well, I don't know. Why are you asking? 
He said, because are you really going? I said, Chuck, I don't have a choice. He said, what do you mean you don't have a choice? I said, everything that I've asked of Lee Ramsey for the last 20 years, he has done, he has done, he has done again. And the only thing that he's ever asked me to do was to get on a plane and go somewhere with him. And I said, all of a sudden I realized iron sharpens iron so it does another man's sub. And I realized all these 20 years that he was changing, it was pulling something off me. And then I got here and I said, oh, goodness gracious, I'm going to have to fly. And I can't even use the excuse that I don't like people. I can't use that excuse that you have to get up an hour earlier to go to the airport to sit for two hours to get on a plane that might be delayed because we're going in the company jet. And the company jet, you drive through the gate up to the jet, you get out, they load your luggage, you get on and put your seatbelt on, and you're gone. Which really, to be honest with you, that's the way that God's designed me to fly. It just, took, it just took me 63 years to realize that was the way you were supposed to go. So we go. We get on the jet. We go to our Christmas party. Lee, Ramsey and I do. And Lee and Stacy meet us at the airport. We drive his truck, their truck in. We get out. They take our luggage. We get on this jet. We buckle up. Before we th- that, though... Lee told me, Lee Forrest told me, he said, you'll love flying. He said, I said, really? He said, oh, yeah, you'll love it. He said, if we have any turbulence, he said, you grew up in East Texas riding horses and bulls and old Chevrolet trucks going 70 miles throughout a pasture. Turbulence ain't going to be nothing for you. (laughs) And he said, but anyway, he said, I'm the one that doesn't like to fly. I went, oh, I did not know that. So not only are you being sharpened from this side, you're being sharpened from this side because when we sat down, it was Lee Ramsey, Keith, Lee Forrest, and Stacy. And Lee Forrest's head was like this in that little cockpit. And he had a look on my face, and he said, you don't have to worry about fear because if you want me to, I will pull a stunt right now because I'm feeling kind of claustrophobic. Listen to me. I really want you to get this. When you have someone that loves you more than they love themselves, for you to complete part of your destiny, they will sacrifice and deal with their fears to set in front of you so they can be a part of it. Yeah. That's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'll get to what Stacy's part was in a minute. We get on the plane, flying to Vegas, it goes like this. I said, this is next to perfect. Oh my goodness, you're 47,000 miles in the air, I mean feet in the air. 
Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, we was on, we was at NASA. <laughs> You're up there. Oh, we're talking about heaven. You're looking out, there's stars, there's things. You don't even know what they are. I've never been that high up. You're flying, it is smooth. The pilots were next to perfect. They knew it was my first flight. They put us into Vegas and banked us so you could drive down the strip and literally look out of it. I was there. We got off. Chuck, Chad, John Mark. It was a wonderful weekend. Lee brought me tickets to the rodeo, the finals of the rodeo. Lee Ramsey. That's what he was doing for my birthday. We went to the rodeo. It was excellent. Lee and Stacy went to their program. We all get ready to leave Sunday. We get on the plane. We're starting to leave. And all of a sudden, he just shuts it down. And he said, the sensor light came on. And you think, okay. So he, Lee Ramsey went up there and Lee said, you know when you have friends that are Lee Ramsey, Lee Forrest, and Lee Ann, you really, you have to use their last name to keep the story straight. He goes up there and talks to him. He comes back and reassures us. We're going to get off the plane. We're going to get something to eat. There's a 24-hour mechanic that's going to fix this plane. Okay? We're going to get back on it. We're going to go home. It's a tailwind. We're going to be home in two hours and ten minutes. We go get something to eat. We come back, get on the plane. The plane takes off again. We're going down the runway. Not the runway. We're taxiing to the runway. And all of a sudden, we're gaining a little momentum. And he just shuts it down and coasts it over into a big parking lot. We didn't have any brakes. So we got off. We're going to stay an extra night. I called Chuck. And Chuck said, no problem. I'll put you up an extra night. Just, you fine? I said, I'm fine. So we have another plane that is a King Air. So Lee is sending for that plane to get us on Monday morning. The weather is beautiful. That plane has just undergone its mileage inspection. We get on the plane. We take off. The weather's beautiful. This is a different set of pilots, and they are so equally nice to me because this is my second flight that they bank it and let us see the Grand Canyon. They let us see Hoover Dam. You couldn't ask for anything more Perfect, besides Keith Pierce. And I'll tell you why. I'm just stupid enough to say, Lord, if I'm going to fly, I want to experience what it's like to fly that by the time I get back to Denton, I can either say I will fly again or I will walk off that plane and never have to get on another one again because I fulfill my mission. So, beautiful weather. All of a sudden, about 50 minutes in the flight, you hear, I said, that doesn't sound good. 
But I'm not going to panic. Because, you know, really, when you're up in the air, yeah, panicking. Ain't no sense in panicking. You're either going to know Jesus or you're not going to know Jesus. So the pilot said, the co-pilot said, excuse me, we got any paper towels? We've had a spill up here. Well, in my life, and of course, I'm not, a, I'm not a seasoned flyer, but in my life, with kids and house and cars and works and dogs and fish, when you spill something, there's liquid. I didn't see any liquid. And the sound was getting louder. And Lee Ramsey didn't want to alarm me. He is a faithful son. All of a sudden, the first oxygen mask fell. I said, hmm, should I be concerned? Because that's the closest one to leave Forest. All of a sudden, the second one fell. That one's close to Stacy. All of a sudden, the third one fell. That was close to Lee Ramsey's chair. And I thought, this can't really be good, but I'm not going to panic. I refuse to panic. God told me now's the time. I'm up here in this plane. That, let me clear up something. This plane only flies at 27,000 feet. Okay, we're, we've left the heavens. We're back in that second heaven to me where things are a little bit rougher, okay? All of a sudden, the fourth oxygen bag mass fell. And Lee said, Lee Ramsey looked at me and he said, oh, really, it's no big deal. We just broke a seal. I said, okay. He said, don't be that way. I said, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. Okay, I'm fine. I looked at my little watch. I wasn't in AFib. All's good. We're going along. I look over there and Stacy is cat a corner from me. Now, Stacy, during this time, she's taking pictures to the left. She's taking pictures to the right. She's taking pictures of me. She's taking pictures of the pilot. She's taking pictures of the ground. She's taking pictures of everything. So none of it's bothering Stacy. And I said, well, if it's not bothering Stacy, then I'm not going to be concerned. When it bothers Stacy, then I will be concerned. But I'm not going to be concerned, panic, or have any fear until it bothers Stacy. Well, and Stacy's having fun. Stacy's got a smile on her face. Stacy is shifting the right and the left. And we're in a little plane. Then all of a sudden, Stacy gets through. Stacy gets back in her seat. Stacy sits down, puts her phone up from taking pictures, and goes sound asleep. About the time she goes to sleep, we're flying. Now we're about at Albuquerque. And there's a bad cold front coming through. We fly into it, completely cloud bank. You couldn't see the, you couldn't see the end of the wings. Then all of a sudden, that turbulence that Lee Forrest had explained to me, And I looked over there, 
and Stacy's asleep. I said, if Stacy's asleep and in that type of peace, I'm not going to be concerned. Now, if Stacy wakes up and looks at me and goes, what the hell's going on? We're going to have a problem. So I sat there, crossed my legs, got comfortable. And I, you know how when you're in those situations, you go, Lord, you sing Jesus loves me. You say the Lord's Prayer. You quote the 23rd Psalm. You let your mind flash back on all the good memories. Well, from your childhood, well, that didn't work with me. And so I said, Lord, what would you have me meditate on? This is what he said to me, and this is what I want y'all to really get. He said, I want you to think and meditate on every plane crash that you've ever watched on TV. That I've got customers who have survived plane crashes. Every one of them. Well, we, Charlton Heston and I, we went through Airport 75. Karen Black and I went through Airport 76 where the small plane run into the big airplane in the midst of a fog storm. I've been through, I, I, I have visions in my brain of planes crashing. I have a customer who was on the Iowa flight that went down and when it hit the ground and broke apart, she was a stewardess and it threw her out and she was one of the only surviving people on it. And I've had a chance to minister to her. So you're going along, boom, ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And the Lord said, but there's one more. And I sit there, and I said, there is? He said, yeah, one more. He said, dig deeper. Because let me tell you something. The clouds and the fog, they were right here. We were doing a little dance. Stacy was still asleep. Lee Ramsey was making sure that I was fine. Lee Forrest was looking at my face. Because you don't want friction to act like an idiot in a plane in bad weather. That's when you don't want friction. And I sat there, and the Lord reminded me of one more plane crash. And he showed me exactly where I was on the day that the plane crashed. And y'all have heard me tell the story about the time that I went with daddy to feed cows and ended up at Shamrock, this honky-tonk in Longview that was 32 miles away. <clears throat> and he left me there, and he left with people, and I was only like probably about six and a half. And I'm standing in the truck completely alone, completely abandoned, completely lost. And on the radio, they announced that the plane crash of Patsy Klein, Cowboy Copas, and Hawkeshaw Hawkins goes down and it kills everybody on the plane. Here's what I want you to listen to me now. I realized something sitting on that plane 
It took all those years, 55 years, to get me to the point with Leanne Squire, Chuck and Pam Pierce, Lee and Stacey Forrest, Lee Ramsey, Janice, different ones, loving me enough, sharpening, wearing on those rough edges, dealing with those things, etc. so on and so on down the line. And all those years that you thought you were giving into them, you were assisting them, you were praying for them, you were interceding for them, you were sowing seeds into them, you were right. But don't be close-minded because they were really doing above and beyond for you. And I sat there, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, in the midst of trauma, the enemy is there to deposit in you a lie. And he said, you're so wrapped up in the trauma as a little boy or this or that, you don't see, hear, or even know what he's just done. See, Patsy Klein, I listen to her music all the time. Love it. Never awaken that in me. So all of a sudden, I saw something on that plane. Now, this particular time, now I'm putting all this together because I want you to get the big picture. Stacy woke up and looked at me, and Lee said, We've been in turbulence. And Stacy said, Oh, really? It didn't exist for her. God's not a respecter of persons, so why does it have to exist for me? It doesn't. You see? God has had, God has dealt with Stacy from an early age about flying. She's a seasonal flyer like Chuck. You see? All that part of that blade had been smoothed out in her life, so he's not a respectable person, so why can't I have it? You see, she woke up, everything was fine, and I'm sitting there looking, think it really is. But then right after that, the Lord showed me that final little key, and the final little key about that time, we were landing, and it was such a crosswind, we had to do one of those crab landings where you come in like this, and then you straighten up right the last minute. Is that not really a picture of how he does us? We may look that like we're going in sideways. We may be bouncing through life, but at that appointed time, he straightens us up and lands it without a, without on a dime. And you realize something, the seed of fear that you have carried with you all your life that you thought was abandonment and rejection, it really wasn't abandonment and rejection at all. The Lord knew that one day I was going to be standing here telling this story, getting free from a whisper of an enemy that stopped the momentum of me going to the nations. 
You see, now over the year, am I appreciative of every person? You bet I am. I would lay down my life for any of them, as well as for y'all. But here's the thing. If you don't understand that the law of friction is to oppose, it is opposing something. Leanne saw years ago that I hated to uh, travel. Lee and Stacy saw I hated to travel. Chuck and Pam saw I hated to travel. I never really understood why I hated to travel. Until at that appointed time that you see, because this is what the enemy whispered. If you get on a plane, it will surely crash. I've never thought that any of Chuck's planes would crash. But you know what? I wasn't on the plane. You see the point that I'm making? Then I realized something. Go back to before we got on the plot. I realized in order for me to experience what I needed to experience, the first flight, God is gracious to take us out there perfectly. The second, he had to show me no matter what occurred, you were at peace to handle it. Plus, I'm going to give you a little extra thing. I'm going to deliver you because you asked me when you walked down the stairs from the plane, would you ever, you wanted to be able to say, I'll never get on a plane again. Or I would fly. I can honestly tell everybody in this room and on the web that when I stepped off that plane, if there had been another plane across the runway waiting for me, I would have walked right over and got on it and flown on. Yeah. Now, I want all of y'all to stand. And I want to ask Leanne and Justin. Is Justin here? Here's what I want to leave y'all with is this. God can use the wounds of a friend to sharpen and to motivate us. Just That's part of friction. But past that, it really is coming into this season in a new place of submission to Holy Spirit. Because I realized that day when Lee Ramsey set it up for December the 5th, and God says... Now's the time. All my time of excuses had run out. All my reasonings of not were now over. And in order for me to move into that next level of life and receive that next promise, I was going to have to get on that plane. Now, the God that I serve could not have been more gracious Gave me a son that loves me, best friends who climbed on it with me, a brother that orchestrated and rolled out the red carpet in Vegas for me, so God could deliver me. You see, you've got to see something. 
It's not about when you're sharpening and those two things are rubbing together. I have rubbed Leanne the wrong way all of her life. <laughs> no, I'll look at Leanne and go, well, wait, what, what? And she does it to me. I do it to Lee. I, I, I really, my heart broke for Lee and Stacy this morning. And for Leanne and for different ones. You know, it's rough being my friend. People don't like you. They want your spot. It is hell standing next to me. You see? What I want everyone to ask yourself this question. Are you allowing God to sharpen you? I'm going to ask Leon and Justin to take us into the Lion and the Lamb song. I want everybody to close your eyes. Can I say something uh -huh. Keith, before you go on? Um, one thing about trauma um, that Keith has kind of brought out, um, you know, as he's telling all those stories, you know, what he heard me say and what I said were completely two different things. I would say, Keith, I've read this article about the Father's heart. And, and I, I realize, still have this article. Yeah, I realize that you need to know the Father's heart because, you know, you lost your father in an early age. And so I'd hand it to him, and what he would hear is, I'm dying and going to hell. <laughs> you know. And then I would say, hey, Keith, we're going to go down to the coast and see John's mom. And do you want to ride with us and go down? And I know you're, you know, have fear issues about that, but come on, and I'll intercede all the way down. And what he hears is, if I don't get out of this box, I'm going to hell. <laughs> and then on and on, but that's how it is with trauma, and that's how it is, you know, just like he was talking about the Patsy Cline story. You know, those things embed so early, and then when people even try to speak into it, it, it activates every fearful place and every, you know, scary thought and so you know in talking about friction it's like it's God sending his best to you you may not hear that when it comes to you you may hear like something very threatening and somebody may be saying the kindest thing the best thing because I'm going to tell you I've never been mean to Keith Pierce <laughs> except for the one time though one time we were off the phone <laughs> Maybe you could count this. Um, we were on the phone, and uh, he was just falling apart. This is way back. Okay, so. This is the truth. Way back. Disclaimer. But so he is literally falling apart on the phone. And I hear the voice of Holy Spirit, because I've always, like, had just a very discerning heart. And Holy Spirit said, tell him you need to get off the phone. And he needs to go talk to me about this. And I was just like, I said, Keith, the Lord told me I have to hang up because he wants to talk to you about this. And he was like, no, wait, wait, just hold on just a minute. And I was like, no, you know, I have to go because the Lord has some things he wants to talk with you about. Because the Lord showed me, you know, that was, I was being a crutch at that point. That was probably the hardest thing I've ever said to Keith Pierce is, I got to get off the phone so you can speak to Jesus about this. But I do want to say, though, just in the friction, like being, beginning to receive it as a blessing, begin to receive the friction as the love of God for you, because 
the voices in your head are going to spin it a different way. You know, one time in deliverance, there was, it was massive and Keith was involved. And we were going to pray for this person. And they said, is it going to hurt? I feel like it's going to hurt me. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. And they got so dramatically free and changed. So I just think, you know, perspective number one, and when you're dealing with people that are traumatized and you're coming to them bringing good news, but they may see it a little bit like threatening. Don't be put off by that. That's just all that in them that, that's afraid to change, that's afraid to embrace it. And then the other is, is just to know that, you know, the people, like Keith is saying, now Keith has told me, Leanne, your hair, we got to do something with your hair, <laughs> you know, where he said, you know, let me, yeah, we got to, you know, you need to put some makeup on today or something, you know, so I'm not saying that it hasn't gone, you know, he hasn't done it I'm with Eve me. Arden for Holy Spirit. Wait, what'd you say? I'm Eve Arden for yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. But... But just know that God is putting people in your life like that. And that, you know, we always have counted Keith a blessing. And it's hilarious because he's a magnet for all the crazy things that happen in the world. They come to him. I don't know why, but I think God just wants him to have some really great stories. 